So I suppose I was either um, naive or maybe foolish in accepting two messages this morning. But I hope that God can minister to us. The second message this morning is kind of following on the heels of the first one. And I've entitled this message, The Healer of Broken Hearts. This morning I'd like to use an illustration. First of all, uh, with this illustration, I want to be careful as this illustration is a, a form of art from the Orient and uh, apparently has come to have some connection with Eastern religions. And I do not want to uh, be connected in any way to that. So we want to separate it from that. And secondly, I, I, I want to use an illustration where I had hoped that today I would have actually a, an, a, an example of this illustration here to be able to show to you and hold in my hands. And due to my forgetfulness, it stayed at home. So it's some three or 4,000 miles away, and I'm unable to show it to you. But I hope that I can in your mind, in your, in, in the, uh, that you can be able to picture in your mind. And maybe you can look for a picture of this later on. Maybe you even want, will want to purchase one of these items. So what am I talking about? With this illustration, I want us to be impressed and impacted this morning with a spiritual lesson that has been a tremendous blessing to me. What I'm talking about this morning is the art of kintsuji. How many of you know what that is? I'd just be interested in knowing. I see one hand. Interesting, very interesting. Yes, I didn't know much about this either until maybe a little over a year ago or somewhere around that, maybe a year ago. <clears throat> so first of all, I'll give you a story of how this, was, this art was begun. And then I'd like to draw some illustrations, some, para- uh, some parallels, some, um, some lessons for us. So this, the Japanese legend has it this way, that a certain military leader of Japan towards the end of the 14th century broke his favorite cup. And it must have been a very um, valuable cup. I'm not sure if he used it for coffee or if maybe it was for tea in Japan. In Costa Rica, it would certainly be coffee. But in... Japan, maybe it was tea, I don't know, but it was a very valuable cup, and maybe it was for soup, I don't know. It was a very valuable cup that suddenly was shattered and broken. And he was greatly disturbed about this because this was his valuable and treasured cup, and now it was in pieces. And he was so disturbed about it that he sent his men to take it to China, to get it repaired. 
And they did. And after some time, they came back with his cup. And he was so disappointed. Yes, the cup had been repaired. I don't know how, how they did it. But apparently they used some kind of staple to staple this thing together. And he said, no, this will never do. This is ugly, horrible. This will not do. Do something else to repair and mend this cup. And so they were kind of in a straight there, not knowing what to do. And so they invented something themselves. They invented a repair method for this piece of pottery or ceramic, whatever it was, that has actually become very popular today. And I don't know why I didn't know about it until about a year ago. Because it is a very popular thing in certain parts of the world at least. This method of repair doesn't try to, to hide the damage. Doesn't try to cover up the cracks where it was broken and where it was glued together. Instead, what they do is find a way to enhance the damage and make it beautiful and useful again. It's called kintsuji. The first part of the word, king, means gold. The second part, tsuji, means join the pieces. Now, I don't talk Japanese. I got this from somebody else. So that when you do join these two parts of the word kintsuji, it means join with gold. This art then, and the accompanying philosophy, there is a philosophy that goes with the art. And unfortunately, it's very humanistic. But I will tell you what that is. And then we want to put that on the side. But the philosophy is that man can make something beautiful from his mistakes and actually become better through it. Man can do that, they say. Obviously, that's a very humanistic idea. But you know, God does have a process of repair and mending that is so beautiful. And I like to compare it with this process of, or this art of Kintsuji. The Christian who views God as the creator and the restorer, as for us, there's a beautiful lesson to be drawn from this. This healer of broken hearts can take all those shattered pieces. He can put them together again. He gives us a new heart. He gives a new heart to the repentant sinner. And he heals the broken heart of his dear children. He gives beauty for ashes, as we had seen earlier, to those who in humility and brokenness come to him. An interesting fact about this pottery or ceramic pieces that have gone through the process of kintsuji 
A piece of pottery which has been professionally repaired with the art of Kintsuji is actually of much more value than the original piece. So they pay high dollar for a professionally repaired piece of pottery. And so I was wanting, I had planned on bringing that piece of Kintsuji that we have at home. It was given to us. Actually, it's kind of a um, counterfeit, I guess. It's not true professional Kintsuji. But a beautiful little piece, a little, beautiful little plate that has these gold lines running through it and is intriguing, beautiful, and, and, and useful. We don't, have, we don't use it. We put it on the wall. And unfortunately, just uh, about two weeks ago, and I had in mind to bring this for some time. I had in mind to bring this. About two weeks ago, my young, one of my young um, grandsons was playing. And I don't know what he was doing there, but suddenly there was a crash. <laughs> and this beautiful plate fell to the floor and in many more pieces than it had originally been broken into. I was kind of devastated because I already had in mind, well, I wanted to take that to Virginia. And now what? But Ruth was not of the same mind. She said, oh, don't worry about that. I'll fix it again. I'll make it more beautiful. And you know what she did? <laughs> She didn't go to Japan to do it. And I don't suppose the, the Japanese had super glue in the 14th century. But with some super glue and some gold paint, the plate was once again restored, the second time. And I meant to bring that along. So we have this dish at home that is now twice repaired. Twice broken and twice repaired. Now, let's shift our focus from broken pottery to something even more valuable. And I'd like to be looking at two scriptures this morning. One is a scripture of, of uh, prophecy that we've already alluded to before, and the other is Jesus' own words. First of all, let's just turn back to, to Isaiah chapter 61. The first verse says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now it sounds like this is Isaiah speaking. He has sent me, he has anointed me, he has sent me to preach good news, to free the captive. It's in first person, sounds as though he is speaking this of himself. And now let's go to Luke chapter 4.
Here Jesus had come back to Nazareth, his hometown, after his temptation with the devil in the wilderness. This was a Sabbath day when he came back to, to Nazareth, and he went to the synagogue. And it seems as though this was not an unusual thing, but they handed him the scriptures for him to read them. And in verse 11, pardon me, verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. After he was through, he said something that shook those people in their boots. Verse 21, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Today, this prophecy is being fulfilled. I am the one who is coming to do this. Isaiah then wasn't talking about himself, was he? He was talking about the Messiah that would come many years later. So in the beginning, it looked like the people were kind of taken in and, 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 and full of wonder. It says... Um, all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? How can he speak like this? He's just a carpenter's son. And they were, they were, they, they were in awe at what they were seeing. But then suddenly the scene turned. And the people were filled with anger and hate. So much so that they wanted to kill Jesus, and they tried to do it. But they were unsuccessful at that point. Let's go back again to Isaiah chapter 61. What did the prophet say back then? He says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel, preach the good news, preach to the meek or the poor, it says in modern King James. In, in Spanish it says to the abatidos, the, those who are broken down, those who are um, destroyed, cut down. The Hebrew means those that are depressed in mind or by circumstances, those that are needy, the humble, the lowly, the meek, the poor. Jesus came to preach to those who were in need. And this was a prophecy, that's what he's going to do. When he comes, he will preach to those who are in need. 
He will bind up the brokenhearted, those that are crushed, those that are destroyed, those that find themselves in pieces, broken on the floor. Maybe broken the second time, like our lovely little plate. It says, Jesus will come to proclaim liberty to the captive, those who are bound, those who have been carried away against their own will, as the captives of Israel were carried away into Babylon. It says, I came to open the prison doors to those that are behind closed doors and locked doors. I came to open those doors and free them, the prisoners. I don't think he was talking about the state prison or penitentiary. I think he was talking about those people who were locked in their own prison, bound and unable to be free. Jesus came to preach liberty to the captives, open the prison doors, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he says, the year of Jubilee, maybe. Or maybe he was referring to the time, that the time of, of grace that God would give to his people, to give to us, to repent. The acceptable year of the Lord, when we can come back to him, be free. Whatever that was, It was a, a joyful time. It was, Jesus was going to present or to, to, to give an opportunity for freedom and joy. But then it also says to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Just as there is a time for repentance and restoration and coming back to God, there is a time of vengeance. There is a time of reckoning. A time, a day of wrath, when God will bring judgment, that day will come. He's warning us with, at the same time as he's giving this wonderful proclamation of freedom and liberty and joy, he says, but there's also coming a day of wrath. He says he came, he's coming for those who are, who mourn. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus came to give us comfort, to give us life, to free us from whatever is binding us, to put together again those broken pieces. And to give us the garment of praise or glory instead of the spirit of heaviness. Why is the Lord going to do all of this? What is his purpose for giving us this opportunity? Offering us this, this tremendous opportunity of being restored, being put together again and mended. Why is he doing this? In verse 9. And I remind you of what we were looking at 
the first evening. So their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, and that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. God is offering to us this restoration, this healing, this regeneration, this new life. He's offering to us so that the world may know that I am the Lord thy God. I am Jehovah. I do this for my name's sake. Yes, thank you, God. God is proclaiming his name, his glory, his power, his restoration power. God has an ultimate purpose in mending our hearts. Yes, it is to glorify him. It is to bring honor to his name. You know, these, these beautiful pieces of pottery that have been repaired, the, the ultimate glory of that piece of pottery is not the pottery itself, but the one who repaired it, the artist, the, the, um, the person that had the gift and the the, the ability to, to, to do this wonderful work of art. The glory goes to him, not to the plate. He couldn't do anything. The plate can't do anything. We can't do anything, really. But God wants to do something in us. And at the same time, God is divinely concerned and moved and focused on our healing and on our restoration. He really does want to heal us. He really does want to, to restore us. He really does want to put back the pieces together again and make something beautiful out of something ugly. His heart is moved by those who are suffering. That touches my heart know that God really cares that much about me, that he is moved by my tears, by my suffering, by my hurts. God loves us that much. He wants to heal. He wants to mend. I'd like to notice some more passages that show us God's heart. And I'm going to just read these. Isaiah 58, verse 6, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Psalm 147, verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted, He binds up their wounds. So God's purpose, God's plan, God's design for us is freedom. His restoration is mending our hearts. That's what he wants. Let's go back again to Luke 4 now, where Jesus himself was saying these words. 
was there in the synagogue. Just notice before Jesus is only at the beginning of his ministry, he's only beginning his uh, healing and, and preaching ministry. And there was a lot of doubt among the Jews about who Jesus really was. And he had recently been baptized by John, and the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And so, as, as Jesus said these words, to, and, and then he said, today these words are being fulfilled here in, in front of your eyes. What you're seeing today is a fulfillment of this prophecy. As I said before, there was, at first there was wonder and there was amazement. Could it be that this is now the Messiah that we've been waiting for, the fulfillment of the words of Isaiah? Could it be this man who is, grew up here, the son of Joseph? Could it be? Certainly some unusual, and, and he had done a few miracles. And so they were aware that this was an unusual man. Could it be that he is the, the Messiah? But this abruptly changed after he said, you would probably like for me to perform a miracle for you today. And he, he makes it clear that he's not planning on doing that. It seemed that that was when their anger suddenly was turned on. They wanted something spectacular, maybe. They wanted to see for themselves what this man can do. But at least at this point, his message was not well received. He had to leave Nazareth, flee for his life. So what does it mean? What does Jesus mean when he says he came to mend the broken heart? He came to, how does it say here? To heal the broken heart. Preach deliverance. What does he mean by that? I said earlier that Jesus is the mender of broken hearts. He's the healer of broken hearts. And I'd like to just look at something that has fascinated me. Um, when we think of healing or we think of mending, what does this mean? Um, when John, or when Jesus called... John and James, the sons of Zebedee, to become his disciples, it says he, he saw them, and they were with their father, Zebedee, and they were mending their nets when Jesus called them to, be, to follow him. And they did follow him. They left the nets there, and I guess they let their father finish the, the, the project there. I don't know. But it says there that they were mender of nets. They were mending their nets. What does mending here mean? And I don't know. I've never mended a net. I've seen people mending nets. Um, an interesting art. 
I wouldn't be able to do that. But mending what this word means here in, in, that Jesus used, means it, means it means completely or thoroughly repaired. It means to adjust or to fit. It means to make perfect and join together again or to restore to its original purpose. And so in a very natural or very um, material sense here, these disciples were used to doing this job of mending their nets and, you know, They'd tear for one reason or another. They'd, they'd, they'd break apart. And so for, they were used to coming to uh, taking these nets and restoring them and repairing them and mending them and making them useful again to their original state. But what does this have to do with, with healing hearts or mending hearts? I'd just like to take us on a little trip here through the New Testament where this word is used and help us to consider what all this mending might mean. I'm going to, to list a verse, or I'm going to read a list of verses from the New Testament where this word is used. But first of all, the Greek word for mending is something like that. And this word was not only used for mending nets. And this is what I find fascinating. Let's just notice where this word is used in the New Testament. Katardizo, mending. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus said this, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone who is perfect shall be like his master. Catardizo, like his master. Perfect, like his master. Yet, the word means mend and put together again, not? And here God is promising us, the disciple, that he can be Mended, and he can be made perfect. He can be useful again. God does that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. But I exhort you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And there be no divisions among you, but that you be... Does somebody know what the next two words are? Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So God, in, 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 the, in the collective body of Christ, wants to mend us together, perfectly join us together. And I'm just seeing that plate that has been perfectly joined together, albeit with superglue in this case, with all the joints, I think I failed to, to, to give another detail about that. Those joints are then painted with actual gold. 
missed a very important part. So they're glued together, and then there's a, there's a, uh, a covering that they put on those cracks that is actually gold dust. That's why they're so expensive, one of the reasons. And that's why you, the, the counterfeit ones are not that expensive. It's only a gold paint. But the real ones have gold dust on them, and they become so valuable because the actual uh, crack, break, has become the most valuable part of that plate. And so God wants us to, 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 as a body, to be joined perfectly together with some gold dust in between us. How beautiful that is. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. And here he tells us, perfect yourselves. And I don't know for sure what all he is he's talking about here, but he goes on to say, encourage yourselves, mind the same thing, be at peace, and the God of peace, of love and peace, will be with you. So it looks like this thing of, of uh, Kitsuchi in our lives is an ongoing thing and needs to continue where God and, and uh, come back to that verse that uh, Brother Rich used this morning. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, we are created to be that beautiful peace that he has designed us to be. But it, it is a continual process. <clears throat> we don't just wake up one day and here's a beautiful piece of pottery that has been restored. Because... We need continual mending. And we need continual healing. And we break again. And need to be healed again. Colossians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, I'm sorry, that's Galatians. Couldn't read my writing. Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you, the spiritual ones, restore. You mend. You catardizzo. It's your responsibility to put the pieces together, help that, that person be restored and be mended and be healed. The purpose of, of discipline in the church is for restoration, not for punishment. It's for restoration to bring that person back into fellowship with, with Christ. And to make him useful again. Take those broken pieces and put them back together. Let God put them back together. That's what we are to do. We are to mend the nets. We are to mend the, 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 these broken pieces. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 Paul says about his responsibility to the, 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 the brethren in Thessalonica, he says, Night and day I'm praying exceedingly for me to see your face and to perfect the things that are lacking in your faith. He saw it as his responsibility to provide some mending, cartardizzo, to these brethren in Thessalonica. 
we have a responsibility to each other as well. When we see someone that is hurting, to offer this balm of Gilead, to offer this healer of broken hearts to them. Take them to the healer of broken hearts. That's our responsibility. That's our privilege. What a wonderful opportunity. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. Make you katarditsu. Mend your hearts. Make you again into something beautiful and wonderful and valuable. That's what his desire was. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And then in 1 Peter 5:10, But the God of all grace, he calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a little, he will perfect and confirm and strengthen and establish you. God sent Jesus to heal broken hearts, to heal broken lives. Seems to me as I look at these verses that talk about healing and mending, they open up a, a, a new horizon. And it shows us the heart of God. That is what he came for. Jesus said, I came for that reason. And the prophet Isaiah had said that he would come for that reason. That's his desire and longing for us. Those who come to him can be healed and receive his katarizo or his um, kituchi. He wants to have a continuing and ongoing work of mending our hearts and lives and putting it back together, not with cheap super glue. And not with some cheap gold paint, but with true adhesive, Holy Spirit adhesive, and true gold. Making us, again, useful and making us valuable. Something beautiful out of broken pieces. What is the problem with a broken net? What is the problem with a broken piece of pottery? What, what, what do we have? We actually have something that doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't function. It can't do its, 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 its uh, purpose. It can't fulfill its purpose. A broken piece of pottery can never hold any water or food. A broken net will not hold fish, they'll, they'll all go out the, the hole. So it's really useless. And so to mend means to restore. It means to perfect it. It, makes it, it means to make it useful once more, to restore its, it to its original use and intent. And in the case of the Kitsuchi, and I like this, I, I love this, 
where the, the end product is worth much more than the original product. Because the master has his hand in it. The master has, has done a work of restoration to something that was worthless and un, not functional. That's what God wants to do in each of our lives. <coughs> the mender of broken hearts today. The mender says this morning to us, Come unto me, all you that labor and are burdened down, I will give you rest. That's the mender of hearts. That's the healer of broken hearts speaking to us this morning. Those of you who are burdened down with something this morning, something that has crushed you, something that has left you shattered. And maybe you think, it can never be the same again. It will never be the same again. I have news for you. God has news for you. Maybe you are discouraged. Things have not gone well. And there's things in your family that you don't know how to handle. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. Your friends have not been true. You've been betrayed disappointed, broken hearts. Jesus said, come unto me. I will give you rest. I will mend your broken heart. That's what I came for. That's my purpose. I want to do that. I will make you new. I will put the pieces back together. I will mend your broken heart. And I will make those ugly cracks into something beautiful. I will put gold on them. I will make it valuable. You are valuable. I will make you a lovely piece of my workmanship. Something that only I can do, and I want to do that in your life. Don't despair. Don't become discouraged. But come to me. God is longing to do this. His heart, his heart, is to mend hearts. It's what he wants to do. Jesus came to do that. To heal and to mend. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know which side of the mending process you are on. But I'm sure that all of us are somewhere in that process. Either there's still some shattered pieces lying on the ground, And we have thought, maybe, that 
There is no hope. Or maybe we have allowed God to take our hearts and to begin to mend them. But we're having difficulty in really believing that we can again be useful. I don't know where you are this morning, but I want to encourage you this morning. God wants to mend your heart. God wants to heal those hurts and wounds. And you may be carrying something this morning, as we were noticing earlier. Maybe you're carrying something in your heart that no one knows about, but you're hurting. And you're really needing healing. God wants to heal you this morning. God longs to heal. That's why he sent Jesus. And I invite you, come unto him. If you are heavy laden, if you have a burden, if you're, you're, you're hurting, you're suffering this morning, come to him. He wants to heal you. He wants to mend. Maybe you know of someone else that is really struggling. Someone who has had a devastating loss or disappointment in his life, and he's struggling. His, his life is shattered. He finds the pieces on the floor, doesn't know what to do. Do you realize that God also calls us to be a part of that mending and healing process in the lives of others. Maybe he wants you to be a minister to that person, to minister healing, to minister the grace of God and the healing of God to that person. Take it seriously when you see or feel or hear of someone that is hurting. Because God wants us to be his healing agents as well. To be involved in this whole process of mending and healing. Do you hear him calling you today? Do you hear him speaking to you today? What is he saying? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, the healer of broken hearts, thank you so much, Father, for your provision for mending what seems to be a useless pile of rubbish and a heap of ashes. Oh God, thank you so much. You are the healer of broken hearts. You are the one who can take ashes and make beauty out of them. Today, Lord, I don't know how many broken hearts are here today that are bleeding and hurting and crying. I don't know, Father, but you do. And you hear those cries. You see those hearts that are crushed. You understand, Father, and thank you for that. And you sent Jesus 
to proclaim liberty and freedom and healing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And today, Lord, I just want to pray that you would meet those who are in need this morning. Meet them, come to them, and heal with your mighty divine healing power. Making something beautiful again. And filling the cracks with gold and making us useful. We thank you so much, Lord. And we praise you and we honor you, Lord, because you are our Father and our God, the one who deserves all praise and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.